It's my pleasure to welcome you to another beautiful episode of Why to Me. In today's episode, I interviewed one of my cousins and we spoke about a plethora of issues. We spoke about the latest suspension of Shakaru Richardson. We spoke about superpowers. We spoke about feminism. We spoke about white feminism. We spoke about black privilege. We spoke about American secularism, systemic racism. And we actually did play a game even in this episode. So please stay tuned and enjoy today's show. Hey everyone, welcome back to Wadami and thank you for joining us again today. I have a very special guest in, my, in the virtual studio with me today. Um, you know, I've known her for like since almost forever. And but I really wanted to appreciate everyone for the feedback about this podcast and I'm really glad it's my heart that y'all are listening. Please keep listening and supporting your boy. And without further ado, we will get right into it. Um, our guest, could you please introduce yourself? Yes. So I'm Adetone or Tone. Um, I'm a cousin of Shaney's. Um, I'm, I don't know what else to say about myself. I'm a nurse practitioner. I live in New York City. And I'm, I'm just really excited to have a good conversation um on this platform so thanks for having me yeah thank you so much and i'm, I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to it too um i guess to, before i guess to get right into it um mm-hmm. when was the first time you can remember um of you meeting me like what was your first time that okay hey, I, I mean of course we've known each other since forever but what was the um, first time you could point back to that oh this is when i i knew this guy yeah so so I, so i don't remember the exact first time we met Although I'm sure I met you like as early as five or maybe probably before that. Um, but I do remember my first, the first time I had a real impression of, of you as a person. <laughs> um, and that was when, that was in Nigeria when we were kids. Um, we were in secondary school. You were probably in GSS too, which meant you were about 10. And I was about eight or seven. Um, and we were having like this conversation about secondary school and being in boarding school. And I just remember like thinking that was a really good conversation. Like I remember after the conversation, I was like, that was so pleasant. I want to talk to Shaney again. Like I want to <laughs> keep talking. <laughs> so, that's my first. It's, you know, I feel like it's, it's pretty, it's been pretty great since then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, I think I could vaguely remember that. I could vaguely yeah. remember that, um, that conversation. Oh, okay. That's, okay. Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah, I think my, just me thinking back to it probably like that same time period. I was in secondary school already, mm-hmm. and um, I think we're in a bell for 10. Even before then, you know, I always, I always look at you like, you know, like, not not like from far, but like I always just knew that like, you know, I liked you a lot. Like, you, know, you know, like, you know, because, you know, out of all of us, you were really, I mean, I was gentle back then, too, but you were very gentle, but you were, like, you, you still spoke to your mind and all of those. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah. So I really, like, oh, so she can balance this and all of that. So, like, mm-hmm. from a very young age, I've always looked at you like that. Um, but enough about me. Um, <laughs> how is how is, uh, coronavirus and, and not just not just the whole um, health-wise part of it, but also the mental toll? Um, especially, you know, you working in New York City. How was that um, for the city and all of those? Yeah, so, so okay, so I live in New York City. Um, and I remember last year, last, 
what was it like March when mm-hmm. it was it, when you start, yeah yeah like when it was becoming apparent that like oh this is like a pandemic like things are gonna change um you know I wasn't living exactly in New York City I was living in New York State so it was like a couple hours outside of New York City and I remember I was just hearing about what was going on in the city and it sounded like a war zone <laughs> <laughs> right because everyone was like epicenter epicenter right um yeah, so so but then people would like message me from like Nigeria and they'd be like, Oh, I you know, I know you're in New York, how are things? And to be honest, like on my end, and I'm speaking from a very micro, like, you know, like on my end, it was besides the fact that there was no one out on the street, I was working in a, you know, like health clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, so we weren't seeing like the worst of COVID. Like it wasn't like we were getting like the emergency patients, like the people who couldn't breathe. It was just life as usual. Um right where I was now I moved back into New York City at the end of April and then I could see you know like the streets were empty the trains were empty which is strange for New York City because New York City is like a very busy overpopulated place um and you know I could see that businesses had shut down and all of that um and you know there was this constant back and forth because you know our governor was trying to or our mayor was trying to like shut everything down just to you know like bring down the death toll rates, but there was a lot of resistance. So there was just a lot of back and forth and then, you know, between the governor and the mayor. Um, And I know a lot of people's mental health was affected because when I would speak to people, they would tell me that, you know, I feel very anxious. A lot of people lost their jobs. Um, But I got to say, I mean, from my perspective, I just feel so fortunate because I was in healthcare, I had job security and I wasn't in like the emergency rooms or the urgent care. So I really didn't see like the worst of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I feel like my experience was a little bit different from what a lot of people's experiences were in the sense that personally, besides not being able to socialize, which I think is the least of anyone's problems at the time, um, you know, it was kind of like life as usual, but I could see what was going on around me and that, you know, that, that, you know, it just, it was a tough spot, um, this time last year, as opposed to this year. I know. And thank God we could all look back. Oh, like most of us could look back and just you know, maybe not laugh about it, but just, you know, just be yeah. thankful about it. And I know for me, for me, when it started, um, I still had to go to work because we can't work remotely. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they they had to give us um, a pass um, mm-hmm. as essential workers. I mean, that made me feel like, oh, so my work is essential. But right. um, but I, I, I worked throughout the, you know, the pandemic and mm-hmm. still having to fly back and forth um, to to and from Houston. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. It, um, I'm glad that you, um, it went well for you. Absolutely. And um, I want to talk about the vaccines. And, right. and you know, we, there's there's been a lot of um, a lot of conspiracy theories about, mm-hmm. you know, the, like, you know, the government are trying to put a chip in us. And, mm-hmm. you know, there was a lady trying to put a um, a coin on, on our arm just to see, like, oh, now we're, we're magnetic, like we can magnetize things. Yeah. Um, so so what's the weirdest theory um, <laughs> that you've heard about not wanting to take the vaccine? Um, wow. Um, you know, the weirdest one it's funny the weirdest one wasn't it wasn't specifically about the covid vaccine it was actually about the flu vaccine but i think this person kind of grouped the flu vaccines with all all the other vaccines like covid vaccine and all of that and their view was that the vaccine was the well they said 
it, it was Planned Parenthood specifically. I don't know if they knew that Planned Parenthood weren't like the only ones giving vaccines, or I don't even know if Planned Parenthood ever gave vaccines. Mm-hmm. They're like, they're putting dead babies in us. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I heard that. You heard that? <laughs> yeah, and, and, and um, you know, we, at my church here in Nashville, we had a doctor, yeah. there's a doctor there that came to talk to us about it, and, and someone was like, oh, he read this report that, you know, they used fetus and, and, and aborted, yeah. you know, and that as a Christian, are you supposed to partake in that? And she was like, well, that was back in the day. Like, they, that, that, there's some truth to it, but, like, not with this vaccine. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Oh my God! Wait, so they were saying that it's possible that they put dead fetuses in us. I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. So, so she, what she said was that you know, in the past, for research and for vaccine development, yeah, that there's some truth to it, but not for this one. Mm. Yeah. So, th- so it's like there's some truth to it, but not for this exact case. Oh um, my. Of yeah, yeah. Okay. She she explained it that way. Um, yeah. I guess. Moving to something more political about this vaccine. So in my in my home state of Texas, in um, Houston Methodist, they did something. I don't know if you saw it in the news too. That um, they made it compulsory for their workers to have the vaccine. Um, And one of the ladies, she actually lost her job. I think she's an ultrasonic um, technician, and she lost her job. She's been working for about eight years just because she did not want to take the vaccine. Um, Do you think employers should make it mandatory for people, especially, you know, in the health um, and the the healthcare field, like should they make it compulsory and mandatory for people to have the vaccine or should we still have the choice? And should should my choice be in free jump because you think I'm doing something to harm myself or harm other people? Right, right. I think that's a great question. And I've gone back and forth regarding that. I think... At the point where we are with a lot of um, vaccine hesitancy and, you know, it's not like people are wrong when they say that, you know, they don't feel like enough research has been done. I think I think the government has done the best. I think the government has done the best that it could with such limited amount of time as far as studying it. But I, I do understand the hesitancy. So I don't think we're at a place where we can mandate the vaccines for everyone. That being said, as someone who's very much, you know, I'm very much about the science and the facts, I personally would like to see as many people as can to get the vaccine. But I also think that we don't want to cross the line of infringing on people's rights. Now, essentially, like the idea of mandating vaccines is not a new thing, right? Like we mandate vaccines for children to go to school. We mandate Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like even like with flu vaccines, technically for healthcare workers, we're supposed to get the flu vaccine before we can work in a clinic. Right. Yeah. So when she, when she mentioned, uh, when she mentioned that, you know, I just, I thought it, for, for where I work, right. It's mm-hmm. not mandatory, but what they said, and people felt like this was also an infringement on their rights is that mm-hmm. you don't have to wear your mask anymore. And they know I'm here in the South in Tennessee more southern than than texas view so like they're very you know about their rights and all of those things and so they're like so but but the company i work for here says if you if you can show that you've had your two dosages like you can you don't have to wear your mask mm-hmm. and they the, the other group of people feel like that's a way to bully them because they know they don't want to wear their mask in the first place mm-hmm. so now they're making it like okay um if you if you're, if, you're, if you're vaccinated then you don't have to wear your mask and i'm just like you know it's still your choice either way, you know, it's still your choice. These are, this is a private company. So they still have that, um, 
they still have the autonomy to be able to say this is what they want. Yeah. And, you know, if it's not something outrageous, because I don't think it's outrageous to say, go get your vaccine, but it's still your choice. But if yeah. you don't meet that choice, then, you know, have your mask on. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, I mean, I, I can see why they might think that, but again, like they have to go back to science and facts. Like the truth is that if a person isn't vaccinated, they are at higher risk for contracting the virus. And in order to abate that risk for other people, it just makes sense to wear the mask. And the same thing applies for the flu vaccines too in um, healthcare settings, right? I don't know how much they enforce it, but I remember being told way before, you know, this whole, uh, before COVID, you know, really became an issue is that if you refuse to get the full vaccine, then you have to wear your mask when you're mm. in the healthcare centers, because it just makes sense. Like as far as abating risk, it's only because this has become political, unfortunately, it's not supposed to be political. It's supposed to be a healthcare issue. Um, right. I think is why we're seeing so much resistance. And, and I know in this, that, 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 that was something about this COVID too. Like we made it, we made it into a political show. Like right. it became like, okay, I'm, I'm a liberal. I believe in masks or mm-hmm. no, I'm, I'm, I'm a right winger. So I don't have to wear my mask or mm-hmm. let's open this on time and don't open up on time. Let's go back to school. Don't go back. So it right. felt like it was, divided along political lines and right. it's just hard to see the science and um i think we'll get more into that yeah uh, when we talk about one of our other topics um moving on mm-hmm. um i wanted to talk about i don't know if you've been following this um olympics qualifiers I and have. Um, you have or you haven't i have well to be honest i get most of my news from nikki and my sister <laughs> I, I live under a rock i read textbooks and go to work but i have heard yeah. about the you know like what's going on there okay yeah with, with shakira um shakari yeah hope i'm pronouncing the name but richard I mean, she, she she's a texan so she's a fellow texan oh, okay and she went to school at lsu and you know so i've known her so i like tracks so i watch a lot of youtube videos on tracks and mm. so i've seen her you know with you know very very confident lady mm-hmm. and so really i admire that about her you know she believes in the work she's she put in mm-hmm. um but then she was found to have used you no know, marijuana and all of those things right. uh, not all of those things but that specifically and she did that and um she says she lost her biological mom and of course you know in the on the youtube comment sessions um section you know i've seen that probably like last week or two weeks ago that someone was saying oh um, that oh she lost her mom and after the race she went to go hug her grandma and she just stayed there that was really emotional yeah um, but you know yesterday I just saw the news that you know she she was disqualified from running the hundred meters race right. and she probably could have because she was like one of the fast she, she ran the second fastest time this in this season um, hundred meters but the the angle I wanted to look at this from is mm-hmm. why do we and I'm saying this as Africans and, and Africans living here in America mm-hmm. and black people. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that we racialize things, right? And I, I'll get into that if you need me to explain what I mean by that. Yeah. So this lady did something and she came out to say, you know, I was going through a lot and, mm-hmm. you know, this is my coping mechanism, right? But, okay. you know, mm-hmm. I know I should have known better. But now, and she said that, and I'm like, okay, she has said this. And I, I told myself, I bet there are people online that will make this a race war. Right. That will make this about her being black. Right. So why do you think that we racialize news instead of just looking at the facts as an athlete, you're not supposed to use that? Because for me too, and I know this question is getting longer. For me too, I think marijuana, it's not, it's not a 
performance enhancing drug. Right. But one, one, one thing the anti-doping agency, the world anti-doping agency says is that because it, re- it releases stress mm-hmm. and as an athlete, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're at an, an advantage if you're, if you're not stressed about the, right. the, the stage. Right. So what do you think about, about black people, us black people racializing users? Yeah, I think I, like a million thoughts have popped into my head when when you, when you asked this question. I think, you know, initially, so so let me just start from like my reaction to like this whole thing, right? Like when it came out that, you know, like she smoked marijuana and like the human side of me like understands, right? That, um, you know, especially in light of like the recent tragic events in her life, like the human part of me understands that, right? Like at the end of the day, I, I do think that Marijuana, as well as other drugs, are people self-medicating, right? Especially when they feel some sort of pain or anxiety, people do that. So, so the human side of me understands that. But that being said, I also understand that, you know, the, there has to be rules, right, when it comes to these things like Olympics and such. So it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't matter that it's not a, um, a performance-enhancing drug. drug. You know, like drugs are drugs, like the rules are the rules. Um so I do understand why, you know, like the Olympics took those measures. Um, and initially, like when it came out, I also had like the same reaction where I was like, oh God, here we go. Like people might say like, oh, it's because she's black and all you know, right. that, all that. But I did get a little bit more information. Now, disclaimer, like full disclaimer, right? Like I have not actually done research on this. So I don't know how true it is, but I'm certainly not discounting it. Um, I'm sure you've heard about like people comparing hard track records, like as far as like just comparing her to Michael Phelps and they're like, Oh, you know, like Michael Phelps was caught with a bong and you know, all of that. And then, you know, like there was also like all this other information about how actually when he was caught with a bong, that wasn't like the only thing, like as, uh, apparently he's like had like DUIs or like he's been caught with other like substances and such. Now that being said, like, again, disclaimer, I don't know if all of that is true, but mm-hmm. to be honest, right. Like if that is like okay what is your response in certain things right like should you have done that in the first place like you can't just blame everything on race um so so i have to say like i'm towing like a line there where i'm like well when is it about race and when isn't it about race um so so that's my <laughs> that's my yeah <laughs> yeah and, and and uh just reading the shakari uh Richards, richardson's news um one other thing i saw that i found interesting was um about black swimmers especially black swimmers. so they 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 had a petition to you know the Olympic Federation or something about having a specialized cap for their hair because their hair is different or their Afro hair is different. I, I still don't understand you know African our, our ladies hair like that. Um, but they said it was different texture you know and that and so they have to do more work and all of those and so they have a cap that would help you know keep their hair in place so when they're swimming. And this was actually rejected. They're like, no, it doesn't. It doesn't conform to the shape of a number head. And so with that, I think that's a race problem. You know, that's a problem. Like, okay, my, we don't all have the same, you know, head form or head shape. Right. You know, because this sport is predominantly Caucasian or something. Does right. not mean that okay, we're trying to also, you know, it should give us an equal chance. Right. Right. To participate, if the hair will be a problem. Right. Um, so. The, the next thing I want to talk to you about is what, what do you, what does black privilege mean to you? If there's even such thing as black privilege. Uh, this is the first I've heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> if there is, I've never heard of it. I, 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 I already automatically have opinions about that, but I, I also have never 
um, heard of black privilege. So I guess I'm curious, like what is like what is the idea behind black privilege? I don't know. What is black? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just curious to ask questions. <laughs> okay, okay. I guess I guess we can look at it this way. I don't know if this is some if this is a word, but I think it's it was just in my consciousness. Um, so there's white privilege, right? And so the flip side of that is there any form of okay? So you know we know what white privilege is to to an extent, and I um. I think that has been making the news lately to you know white privilege and all of those things so just the flip side of it like are there any advantages of being black or are there any of course there are advantages but are there any privilege of, of being black I, I i understand the question they asked right right so not just privilege of course you know we're privileged to be black but like are there any extra thing we're getting for being black i guess yeah um i think okay this sounds a lot like reverse racism right like it sounds like like similar idea correct me if i'm wrong is that is that what black yeah 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 Yeah. mm -hmm. okay i so so if you don't like do you mind if i talk about reverse racism since that's like yeah yeah um so i think let me give an example right like let's say um I, okay, I was I was reading like this Facebook post, and you know, like a, a black girl was talking about how like this guy cut her off and blah blah blah, and um, she was like, and then this white man cut me off and blah blah blah, and you know, she she seemed to believe that he cut her off because he was a white man, right? And then there was this whole discussion in her um, in the comments where it was like, um, you know, some people were like, oh yeah, white privilege, blah blah blah, and then some people were like, well he could have cut you up because he's just a jerk like it doesn't necessarily mean you know um and i can see how some people might then accuse black people of reverse racism in the sense that they're like black people get to just um you know like use like a white person's race against them and then they call Mm -hmm. that um and then they call that you know like like essentially they're saying that like black people can get away with doing that as opposed to like white people where if they say something then it's automatically racist now i I, I honestly I'm of the opinion of the like I understand that when black people do that it could be extremely hurtful towards white people like I do get that just on a human level right like if like at the end of the day it's not a crime to be white it's also not a crime to be black it's not a crime to be you know born with the skin that you're born with so I understand that but but I also think that I think that a lot of people also it's almost like they're distracting from from a certain issue at hand right where it's like if you can accuse black people of being reverse racist then you don't have to address you know like certain racial inequalities and when i say racial inequalities i'm actually being very mild just racism right like why do black people fill the prisons and why do black people still make significantly less than um white folks and why do black children tend to get less education or you know like um not as quality education so i i I think there's space for both to be honest i think you know we can certainly talk about like systemic racism and we can talk about the ways that you know some black people just kind of get it twisted right where it's like you know like how about we focus on the issue at hand as as opposed to um attacking certain white people on a personal level and assume you know like always like just seeing like prejudice everywhere and seeing does that make sense like i think that there's space to talk about um to talk about both honestly i'm not too crazy about the idea of black privilege because i do think that it takes away from the idea of like um like the idea of like white privilege but i do understand like where people are coming from when they say that right like 
um, at the end of the day, like there is a way to talk about things and attacking people personally because of their race, whether it's white or you know what have you, is definitely not the way that we're trying to move forward. Definitely. So when you were talking now, like I have two questions. Okay. Um, just coming out from that. Yeah. Um, so are you? So c- could can or could black people be racist? And and okay, so maybe maybe go ahead and tackle that first, and then yeah. um, I will get into the second one. Yeah, it, th- this is an unpopular opinion. <laughs> okay. But I do think that black people can be racist. Um, I, okay. I, 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 I don't think it's as straightforward as that. Like, I think you can always unpack things. But yes, I do think that black people can be racist. No, I, I don't think so. Um, because for me personally, not personally, um, but just my idea of racism is very, it's, I've heard the argument of someone having the power and a collective power, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. When a black person exhibits the sign of disrespect or some form of whatever thing it might be because of a Caucasian, the color of, of a Caucasian, or you know anybody, it's, I don't think the I don't think racism is that word. I think there should probably be a different word for it. Okay. It's because I just think it's it's not as it's not just a one thing or yeah. it's not just like okay my relationship with you or I, I hate you because you're white no it's like or you know i don't hate anybody because of their skin color yeah. um but just saying it's not as for me it's not as simple as okay this black yeah. person does not like this white person and so therefore that black person is racist right. it's more it's more of a collective thing that has happened right. over the years and right. and and um and you mentioned systemic racism which we're going to get into soon so i just feel like it's it's deeper than just than just superficially saying oh this black person is disrespectful to this yeah. person yeah. because of their color because of the color of their skin and so therefore right. that person is racist that's an easy way of course you know maybe right. it defeats the definition but i just feel like on the more emotional level the definition of racism supersedes that you know yeah. more yeah. than that it's yeah the Jim Crow era, it's all of those things right. You know, right having to fight having to work twice as hard and all of right. those things so i feel like those that's the combination of racism so right. if i'm now using that as just my interaction with one person i don't know yeah yeah i i agree with that i do um i think right like what you just um described like if a black person is just respectful to us a white person right like that's called prejudice like that's not necessarily racism i think i'm thinking of a specific instance and and to be fair it's not like it's not like obviously it's not like most black people feel this way but i have heard this on on occasion right so the way i'm defining racism like um the definition i was going off of i wasn't necessarily thinking of systemic racism i'm thinking of just this the this simple but destructive idea of a race being superior to the other i think um i i think like that's like the bare bones of of like what racism means um and i do think that i've heard um and i'm not saying this to take away from the idea of systemic racism and how like we need to do better as a nation or as 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 the world in general um on occasion i'll hear like a black person who in an attempt to 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 feel right because I, i think black people have been made to feel less than right like in our intelligence or like in the things that we've accomplished and so right. because so many people feel disempowered right there's now the need of an empowerment of the people right like we need to raise people's consciousness and we need to let people know that they can do things right like you know like we're trying to empower ourselves but i think that some people take that um 
they, they don't quite so in, in an attempt to elevate themselves they might say like I, I have heard people who do feel like being black is superior to being white right now these are more isolated incidents right and the only reason why i bring attention to this is because i i, I would really like to see us as black people move forward as opposed to getting distracted by um petty things like like at the end of the day like it's not like we're trying to elevate ourselves above anybody but we are trying to get on the same do you know what i mean like quality yeah black person said something disrespectful this black person called this white person a cracker um but but i do think that it's important for people to know that you know it, it's equality and it's not um elevation above anyone else Right. And I think, I think that would be a very great segue. And I'll come back to the question I'm going to um, ask about systemic racism. Right. But that would be a very segue since we're talking about equality. Um, let's talk about feminism. And, um, what's, and I know there's been a lot of new wave, old wave, you know, right. all of those things. Well, in, in a nutshell, what, 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 is, what does feminism mean to you? And, and yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. I, to me, in a nutshell, equality of the sexes. It, 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 a little bit bigger equality. than nutshell. Equality mm-hmm. of the sexes, social, political, economical, and I would add spiritual. Um, but th- that's that's essentially what feminism is. So I heard, I heard, I heard, I heard a pastor, a female pastor, say that mm-hmm. um, she she thinks that the 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 feminist route or, or the roots like the feminists are taken now um of course is equality but she doesn't think that it should go the way of equality um that they should go the way of neutrality and mm. and so yeah do, do you do you agree with that and, and she she didn't really give point she didn't really yeah. you know buttress that but I, i'm thinking maybe what she meant was maybe um we should all be maybe because equality and neutrality like mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm trying to think about it. Okay, so yeah. okay, I have this job. Okay, I'm not looking at okay, this person is a woman or this person is a man. I'm just mm-hmm. looking at this person as a person. Okay, mm-hmm. maybe that's what she means. So, what do you think about that? Like fighting for neutrality rather than equality. I think I, I, th- this is a knee jerk reaction because I, I don't, you know, like you said, like we don't really. She didn't really go into details about yeah. it, but I don't know. I mean, if if we lived in a world where there wasn't any inequality, then we could say that we, we could talk about neutrality. But since that's not the case, then I do think that we need to be more obvious in our language and say that we want equality as opposed to neutrality. I think it, it, it honestly, it, it's, it's reminding me of when people say they don't see color to kind of like distract from like the conversation we're having. Like, right. Yeah, it's like, we all know that we see color. Like, <laughs> like there's no way you don't see color. <laughs> So I think that's the thing, like in a perfect, in an ideal world, it wouldn't right. even be a conversation. Everyone would just see each other as spiritually equal and just as important and just as worthy. But because we, we know that that's not necessarily always the case, then we have to talk about equality as opposed to neutrality. Definitely. Yeah, I, yeah. I do agree with that because I feel like neutrality, neutrality would be, you know, probably the ideal of the case. And- Right. Because, because you know, you said you said something about when we're talking about you know our previous topic that we're looking for equality and not like one is superior to the other. Mm-hmm. Um, some people could feel that you know with this feminist wave that women are trying to pull themselves you know above men, mm-hmm. you know, and trying to be like, okay, we you know, for all of this time that we've not been um, taking care of, like maybe some form of reparation, like okay, now we need to be maybe on top or something. What, what do you think mm-hmm. about that? I think 
I honestly think that it's it's a I think it's a threat to the male ego. And and that being said, I know that it's not always men who think that. I know that there are some women who voice the same opinions. Yeah. I think it's when people misunderstand. So you asked me a question in the beginning. You said what is feminism in a nutshell? Feminism means equality of the sexes. Right? Like nothing about that says elevation over the other. Now, if someone heard like an offhand comment from one woman who said, I think women are better than men, then that's not feminism. She might say that she's feminist, right? And she might try to tout it under feminism, but automatically, right, if a person knows what feminism means, then then hopefully they can identify that, okay, that's not what feminism is. And um, you know, if 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 that if that was the definition of feminism, then yeah, men should feel threatened by that, but it's not. So um, I don't think there is a reason unless, unless a man understands that he does have some privilege as a man and he's threatened by that. And he knows that I, that's the only reason I can think of why someone would have an issue, um, with feminism, right? Like true feminism in its definition, not what some people might, you know, try to pass up as feminism. Yeah. And, and I would like to get into more feminism and just like, you know, the whole you know, and I think the world and, and God works in mysterious ways, right? It was after the first world war and, you know, men men went to war and women had to take care of, of the family and had to go work and all of this. They're like, so women can do the same thing too. Um, I wanted to talk to you about, and let me see the best way to phrase this, um, people, being, people be put, being put in positions just because of who they are. Right. So, uh, and I'll get into that. So it's like saying, okay, we have a, we have a, you know, a, a vice presidency role open. We have already, the president is a, is a male. Um, the assistant vice president is something like this, also a male. Okay. Now we want to fill this position and like there's no female in the board when we're making decisions. So we want to fill this position just, you know, with a female, um, do you think that's fair to other men that there's also there's also qualified for that position? And also, maybe you could mm -hmm. use this also to talk about affirmative action and if it's something you really, um, if if it's an idea that you buy. Yeah, um, I think I mean we certainly don't want to fill roles just because um, you know like oh she's a woman so we're gonna we're gonna you know like we're gonna assign her to the role like absolutely not right like at the end of the day we want who's qualified for the job. Um, but but that being said, though, I think we also have to look into, right, like if you look at uh, like Congress or like, you know, just these rooms, any room where there are powerful and impactful decisions being made. If we're not seeing as many women, I do think that it's our responsibility as a society to question why that is, right? Like, are women being presented with the same opportunities or like what's stopping women? Because at the end of the day, these powerful roles, right? They're making decisions that affect men and women. Um, one of the most obvious ways is, is, is um, you know, women's access to contraception or like, you know, like all these other hot topics, like they're hot topics, but at the end of the day, they're also affecting people's lives personally. Um, so I think, you know, like, I, I think that the best, answers are not necessarily black or white right like some things might be black or white but a lot of things are like you know it's a little bit more nuanced um mm -hmm. we certainly shouldn't just try to fill a role because she's a woman if she's not as qualified then absolutely but we also need to be asking ourselves well why aren't women at this table because it's not because women don't want to be making decisions um like we have to look into it and 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 that's the same way i feel about affirmative action where it's you know um at the end of it, you know, I, I read this wonderful book and I can't think about, I can't think of the name, but it, it was this man who, 
he started off as a teacher in public schools in New York City and then he he ended up becoming like a principal or like a dean or like just something really important and he started talking about you know he was like listen like the the inequality starts from when kids are really really young right like he was saying that when you take the amount of like five-year-old kids in say like a East Harlem school right like in in lower income neighborhoods and you compare them to like a five-year-old kid in upper or lower Manhattan right like majority white neighborhood like a little bit more affluent he's like you can already see the the difference between their reading and their comprehension level and so when you take that difference at such an early age right like how can we honestly come com how can we honestly expect these kids to compete with you know, like the you know, like the kids in East Harlem versus the kids in like the Lower East, like Manhattan neighborhoods. How can we expect them to compete on the same level when it's time for them to go to college, right? It's kind of an unfair comparison. So, you know, we're still trying to work out the answer to that, but it, it's it's the same idea of if we're not seeing as many people of color at the table, right? We need to start questioning why that is and what we need to do. Because if we say these 12th graders going to college, we're going to put them on the same level. And if you don't get this score in the exam, then you don't get to do this. I, we, you know, like the inequality is just going to keep growing and growing. So I certainly understand the reason for affirmative action. Um, um, I, I, I do think that affirmative action is necessary. It's just a matter of how, I, it, it's, it's a matter of nuance. It's a matter of details. Like how do we make it so that it truly is fair for everyone? Um, right. Yeah. So my 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 one of my reservations um, for affirmative action is that because you mentioned it, like it's 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 not a like the the level field the the playing field is not level right because you know you're going to this high school and the quality of education you know separate but equal is, doesn't mean equal like that you know it's right. one has a better quality um, but now so this kid that grew up in the poor you know neighborhood and didn't go to a very good high school. Now you're putting them in the same school as someone that, you know, went to a great school, you know, high school and they're already prepared for that. Mm -hmm. And now you're putting them in the same class, you know, freshman year, you're putting them in the same class mm -hmm. and you expect them to be on the same, um, on the same level. You know, I feel like that might breed frustration for mm -hmm. the kids that was kind of lifted into that, 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 that situation, even though they were not, properly qualified for it because the average probably the average test score in the SAT uh, even uh, let me give an example like a UT University of Texas at Austin uh, one of my friends um, during the during the freshman orientation was just going around and asking people for the, just just out of curiosity right it was just like oh what was your what was your um, SAT score and it was like people were like 2100 and stuff I think at the time it was like over 2400 or so mm -hmm. back then it was like 2100 the guy was just like he opened his mouth like are these the people that he wants to compete against? Of course, he, he didn't get in through affirmative action. But I'm just saying that, don't you think that it might be the level of frustration for a kid that got there without being that, that having that academic rigor? Of course, right. maybe something that he could work on, but right. you know, right. not having that foundation of base. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, you know what? I, I feel like that you're actually describing my personal experience, right? And I know a lot of people felt the way that I felt. Um, you know, I, I think when I got to college, so so background, you know, like I went to high school in the south suburbs of Chicago. Before that, I went to school in Nigeria. My school wasn't necessarily the best school. I was coming from one of those schools that was just like, you know, like lower income. Um, and it wasn't until when I got to college and I was hearing like the classes that these kids were taking before I was like, what? <laughs> there was none of that. 
none of that in my school. My school was like English, math, history, literature. Like they were giving us bare bones education. Mm. Um, that being said, be- be- specifically because of the concern that you raise, they did right. have resources for, you know, people who were coming from a similar background like mine, right? Like um, extra like tutorials or like just support. Um support for these people i have to say i i I have a feeling it's not i have a feeling i'm pretty sure i've benefited from that i think the way that i took it and not necessarily on a conscious level was that i just have to work twice as hard right because i don't have um i don't have the same you know like education background that some of these kids have like for Mm -hmm. me it's about grit and determination and like knowing where i come from right like you know um so so yes there is that frustration um there were resources um, but when you think about the alternative too, right? Like, okay, let's say we say, how are these kids supposed to compare to, like how are the kids from like the lower income neighborhoods supposed to compare to, um, you know, like the higher income? It's, it's like, what is the alternative? Do you know what I mean? Like, like if we say, like, it, it, essentially, I guess I'm wondering like what, what other solution there could possibly be, right? Besides equipping these students with, with more tools, right? Knowing, knowing what, disadvantage exists the only thing we can do at that point is to equip those students with more tools essentially definitely definitely and i know in texas um texas started doing this and you know texas has been in the news for affirmative action um there's a lady uh, i think it was uh, the board of regents of texas versus fisher um she was trying to get into law school Mm -hmm. and you know she had the l side and everything and she noticed that there were black students that had the same the same grade as she did, and they got into the lawsuit. So she sued the University of Texas. It actually went to the Supreme Supreme Court, mm. and that was when um, was this justice's name? He he's passed away now, very close to um, uh, Ruth, Ruth Bader. Yeah, but, talking about. I yeah, I think it was. I can't remember his name, but he yeah. and you know at the time I was highly conservative. I'm not as conservative as I was back then. But he was saying that, are we saying that, I can't remember what he said, but he said, I posted on my Facebook post, mm-hmm. actually, because he was saying something to the fact of that, oh, Black people are not intellectually on the same level as Caucasians or something like that. And you know, that, that's a drawback that I kind of see from affirmative action. You know, even for those that go into college without that, you know, because mm-hmm. you're Black, you're still kind of looked at, oh, he might have gotten in or she might have gotten in because of um, affirmative action. Um, moving, moving on, I wanted to talk about systemic racism, but before then, now that we're talking about feminism, um, what do you understand by white feminism? And I think that for me, not, not for me, but, um, most of this, you know, during the progressive era and also like the, the suffrage, the suffrage movement and all of those, it, it felt more like it was, you know, very caucasian you know, and it felt like they were fighting for themselves and for their people because I, I got to understand just reading off some things that, you know, the, the African-American women too were also having their own movement. So is there an intersectionality um, between all of this? Should, should it just be one or is there like separate, like white feminism or black feminism or Hispanic feminism or should there be an interse- intersectionality to make this effective? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I mean I think most same people would would um I, I mean I think most people just say that it's it's just feminism and it's for everyone, right? But then we're starting to see like, you know, all these, you know, like different opinions and ideas and where people are like, actually no, like feminism looks different when white you know, you know, white feminism essentially looks different from 
um, from others. Uh, to be honest, I'm still trying to understand it. I mean, it, for me, like when it comes to these um, to the, to these topics, right? Like I always think about it on the bare bones, like what the definition is, right? Like we talked about racism earlier. Um, and for me, feminism, right? Like equality of sexes, like, you know, what have you. Um, so, so I'm still trying to understand like the difference between um, white feminism and, you know, like what it looks like for black and brown women. And, and to be honest, like it, it, we have to talk about like gender too, right? Like more people are coming out as like trans and like intersex and all of that. So it's incorporating every, you know, like just trying to make sure that everyone has equality. And from my understanding, um, white feminism is about like moving up the corporate ladder and, um, you know, it's about individuality and if you believe right. you can do it and all of that. Um, but, you know, there's, we can't deny that, you know, like black women or, or brown women still make significantly less, definitely than men, but also than white the women. White. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'm actually reading this book called A Radical Awakening. And it's, it's about this woman who she talks about feminism, but from a more spiritual perspective. And she talks about how, you know, like true feminism looks like women building communities to like, it's like just lifting other women up and you know it's not a competition against one another and um you know like just feeling that self-worth and value like you know like having our voices being heard so so the short answer is that i'm still learning about all, all of these differences and how you know white feminism might differ from what feminism is but the idea is that you know i, I think feminism on a bare bone is women feeling worthy and men recognizing that worth um it's just it just makes for a safer community for all of us so so to answer your question it should include everyone and it should not be just one group thinking about themselves right and because yeah. i think like every every you know community they have different you know different different needs or different things they're struggling with you know right. um, some women right now may not be equal pay or some it might be equal right. pay some it might just be you know just having that the rights to contraceptives and, and just doing this right like when when, when the, the whole idea of contraceptives came out mm -hmm. and you know the lady in front and then the forefront to be talking about you know um sex and all of that was like yeah we mentioned they enjoy sex and so men were like women could enjoy sex you know just just things like that you know and, 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 and yeah you know because they didn't know at the time you know right. they, they saw them they saw women differently um at the time and of course in every movement there's always that people that push it to the extreme right people that are like oh no we don't want to wear brow we don't want to shave our armpits we don't want to be subjected to what culture wants to see us become so of course in every movement there will always be you know that extreme part of things even a black lives matter movement that there will be the extreme people people looting and, mm -hmm. and burning things um, mm -hmm. and i just i know like you said too for for us men too is for us to also be um, supportive of and not 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 look at feminism as as a threat to us, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. but just you know just supports and you know mm -hmm. in whatever way that we can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and 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 just to piggyback on on something that you said, I, I think um I I think you know like for example the the example of like women not shaving their armpits, right? I mean it, <laughs> that one is interesting. I think. I was mentioning earlier how when people feel disempowered, right, they they feel like, you know, like they have to do things to empower themselves, right? So essentially when you feel like you've been at the bottom, right, you, you have to do things to elevate yourself, but you're elevating yourself to a point where 
it's equal ground, not elevating yourself above somebody else. Um, and I think because women have felt so constricted by gender roles, like what a woman should be, right? Like I know, and a lot of women know this too, that there are certain qualities where where you get rewarded for it and, and not, not in an obvious way. It's more so that people just give you compliments. So if you're female, right, if you're more on the docile side, if you're more, if you just go along with the flow and all of that, it's more rewarded, right? Like, as opposed to if you have like a strong opinion about something. And right. I'm not saying this is always the case. I'm just saying that there are certain qualities that are more rewarded, if not outright, but you know, on a more subtle level. And so there essentially there's this mold, uh, there's a mold for what females are supposed to be. And and I think I, I have a feeling that that's where the whole not shaving your armpits is coming from, right? Where it's like, it, it, it's almost like an act of protest, right? I personally like shaving my armpits, but you know, some people are like, you know, because I don't want to be this thing that people are trying to reduce me to because, because it might seem like just a small thing, but when you look at the bigger, um, like the larger effects of it, right? Like that's when you see a lot of women unhappy in like certain marriages or like just unhappy in the world because they're conforming to certain standards that aren't necessarily their authentic self. Um, so, 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 so I guess what I'm trying to say is that like, you know, I, some of these things I think are acts of protest as opposed to um, maybe how a person truly feels, you know, like I, I have a feeling I'm, I'm just, I'm just freestyling it right now. Right? <laughs> like, a, like a woman who yeah. says she doesn't want to shave her armpits. Right. Like, let's say she's talking to you as a man and she, she's expecting you to give her some resistance about her shaving her armpits. And she's like, I'm not going to shave my armpits if I don't want to. And then I have a feeling if you said something like, Oh yeah. If you don't want to shave your armpits, it's absolutely your choice. None of my business. Right. right. Then that woman might then think to herself, okay, because she's not meeting that resistance because she's, feeling seen and heard then she might be like okay well do i actually want to shave my armpits or not it's like then you have the space to decide what you actually want to do because you're no longer you know trying to conform to certain standards um so anyway that's what i thought of you know when we're talking about like acts of um you know extreme acts that that women carry out definitely um yeah. i guess from there we can move to systemic racism what does that really mean um and of course i know like the larger scope of things especially uh, with the criminalization of black men and all of those things, so I see that. But in a more, in a more corporate term, in a more corporate um, lingo, what does systemic racism mean? Like for for me, and I know I think the previous guest I had also agree with that. Like there's there's a pathway that you could do things by, and you get rewarded by that, right? Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, okay, um, invest in A, and you'll get B. It doesn't matter your color. It doesn't matter you know, what, you know, what of those things. So what, what, what does systemic racism mean to you and, and in what ways have you encountered that and seen that? Yeah. Um, thanks for asking what does it mean to me? Because I don't know the dictionary definition of it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's one of those, like, I know it when I see it. Um, I think it, it's, um, um, it, it's those things that you mentioned, right? Like I'll just give examples since I can't think of like a dictionary definition. It's, exactly. um, why black people fill American prisons. Um, you know, apparently America is like, if, if not the top or like maybe like the second developed country that imprisons most people, um, but it's filled with black people and black people make up 12% of the population. So, so why is that? Or it's, 
ask, you know, why after 200 years or 300 years, um, why do black people on average still make significantly less than white folks? Um, why do black children get education? So it's, it's, it's these huge things, health disparities, why black people are at more risk or like dying from certain things that white people aren't dying from. Um, so, 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 you know, I, I think we've sort of touched on this throughout the conversation, but it's more than um, individual um, racist behaviors like sit at the back of the bus or or um, or calling black people certain words. It's more on a societal level. Why are black people still significantly behind? And not just black people. I'm saying black because I'm black, but like black and brown people. Why are they still significant significantly behind? Like what's really going on? If everyone is saying that they're not seeing color and everything is equal now. Um, right. So that's how I think of systemic racism. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, so some of the examples you've mentioned, uh, mm-hmm. what, what, where does personal agency come to play? Uh, yeah. what, what, where, does, where does it come to play that I have to do something myself to, mm-hmm. um, to, to get out of that rut? So mm-hmm. like... Yeah, I, it always comes to play, right? Like at the same time that I'm, I'm having conversations about systemic racism, I'm also having conversations about, you know, um, it, like we, we can't always point the finger outwards. I, I think we can I can I think we can use both hands. One finger goes outward, one finger goes inward. <laughs> <It won't come laughs> exactly, right? Like at the end of the day, we know at the end of the day, we know that um we know that um certain laws and certain biases are, are, are still at a disadvantage for black people, right? Um, but we also know that um it, we also know that white people aren't completely the problem. Like it's not like, you know, like if we're being honest with ourselves, right? Like we know that, but but honestly, Shani, I feel like a lot of people already know this too, right? Like I don't think that I'm saying anything genuine. Um, um, I think we should always think to ourselves that I, I can always work hard. I can always, you know, I can always do the best that I can do. But that being said, honestly, I think even if we, we all had that mindset, I think until certain things start to change, um, like, poverty in a lot of black neighborhoods and that cycle of poverty right we, we will still see a lot of black people in, in prisons and it's not because black people are are more violent it's because you know when you have certain environmental situations it's just more likely to produce more crime um so so to answer your question it, it's it's both it's always personal agency but it's always always also on a societal level. And I think it's only people who don't want to be honest with themselves that would deny that. It's only people who don't want to be honest with themselves that would say there's no such thing as systemic racism. If Black people are poor and in prison, it's because they're lazy and they're violent. It's people who are in denial um, who would say that. Yeah, so again, yeah. I, I, th- I think there, there of course, um, I always like, in, in arguments like this, I always like to be like in the meat section of it, like just right, the middle ground of it. So I, I feel like there's some form of systemic racism, but I also think it also behoves on the person to like the personal agency yeah. um, part of it. And the story that comes to mind was this lady, I don't know if she if it was in Chicago or somewhere, she okay. listed her house for um, for sale in, in, in for appraisal and someone came in to check it and they gave her like, I think $110,000 for it. Like, that's what they wanted to pay. And she was like, okay, you know what? She has a, her friend has a Caucasian husband and was like, you know what? You come to the house and they will come back again. And so she released it and they came back. And because they saw a Caucasian male, at least that's, that's what the story felt like. And the price went up like maybe like to 200,000. Wow. And, and so they're saying they're investigating and, and the guy, the, the guy that appraised it said, no, like, he just he just used the data they had and it was nothing about race or something. And I think there was a couple in Dallas too. 
um, they changed they changed their name or something, and their friends helped them to list it, and the price went up too, just because those people are Caucasian. So mm-hmm. things like that are mm-hmm. what I look at systemic. Because what mm-hmm. can you do to fight that? You right. Know, right. There's all. What can you do to fight back? It's just you're black, and that's just right. Right. so. That's where I see systemic racism, right? right. You know, the, like going to jail for something very minute, right? Like, right. You know, right. possession of marijuana and all of those things. So yeah. Yeah. I see all of those things too. But I also still think that there are some things there. Uh, it's just okay. Do this, and then you get that. You know, right. I, feel like, I right. feel like America is a is a very programmable place. Like, okay, mm-hmm. do this, and then you get that ideally. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And, and, and to, to add to that too, I think um, that that's where the whole conversation between, you know, like Africans and African-Americans, right? Like, like th- there's, there's some tension there and there's a lot of discussion there where, you know, I, I think, um, you know, like a lot of Africans, like when they move to the United States and they're like, well, if we can succeed, then why can't the African-Americans do this? And, you know, like all of that. Um, and, and I think there's, and we're in dangerous territory here, to be honest, because I think, you know, like when you start giving opinions about this, like everyone has such strong opinions. And I think it, it's almost like I can see both sides, right? Like I can see where I think a lot of Africans, like when we come into the United States, right, we're coming in as foreigners, you know, like we're coming in as, so, so we're not, it's almost like we're not expecting like, like we're not expecting things, right? Like we're coming in with the idea of grit, determination. If you do this, you get that, right? Right. And to an extent, right? Like our personal agency helps us there, right? That's why you see, you know, so many Africans, um, I, you know, I can't speak to every different African country, but I know Nigerians specifically, right? Like very educated group um, and, you know, like you know, kind of moving up the economic ladder, right? Um, and so, so, so to that extent, we see personal agency working for us. That that doesn't mean that every African American doesn't use prayer. Like that's not what I'm saying, but I am saying that like there is that sort of advantage where you come in and you're not expecting anything from anyone, so you're completely reliant on your abilities and your ability to work hard, and that works to to a certain degree. But there is also the part that you know, like we're coming in from another country, right? Another continent. So we're not expecting things, but African-Americans have been here for centuries, right? So they have every right to expect the same things that their white brothers and sisters are getting, right? And so, and so of course, people are going to resist, right? We've been here for this long, right? Like their ancestors, like they've been there here for this long. Their ancestors were brought here against their will. And so of course people have demands. Um, and and I have to say, like Africans, we are benefiting from that sort of resistance, right? I mean, if we were here a hundred years ago, we wouldn't be able to do half the things we did. And and you know, it's it's because African Americans, you know, demanded for certain for for certain rights. So again, going back to our conversation, it's you can sort of see personal agency and you know systemic work going hand in hand, where it's like, yeah, you can work hard for yourself, but at the end of the day, no matter how hard you work. Right. You have to push your government to be to be responsible in order for that that hard work to um, to come into fruition. Um, and, and, and to 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 address something that you said earlier, too. Right. You were talking about, um, you know, like the 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 black women who put our house on the market. And it's like, how do we address that? You know, this white person is saying it's not because he was white. He just presented the facts and all of that. And at the end of the day, we, we know. Right. We all know that people have bias, even if people weren't trying to be racist. The truth is that a person, they're more, I, I think a lot of people are more likely to view a white man as more competent than a black woman, right? Because there's the race aspect and then there's the gender aspect. Um, and so they might not be racist, but you know, <laughs> their bias <laughs> is causing racist, right? Like it's not about their intentions, it's about the right. impact. And I genuinely think that if, 
if um if a lot of white people, not just white people, but I'm speaking specifically to white people, if they were able to come to a place where they could accept that bias does exist, right? You don't have to be a horrible person to exhibit bias. We've all exhibited bias to some degree. Um, the problem is that when it comes to racial bias, like there are people who are significant disadvantaged, right? And so the idea is that we have to be aware of our bias in order to, because if you're denying that there's bias in the first place, then you're going to continue to exhibit it and you're going to keep causing damage. Um, so I, I, I think the first step for everyone is to just realize that as humans, we have biases, but we have to confront those biases. Otherwise people will suffer for it. Um, you, you mentioned expecting something from the government, and, and that got me thinking about welfareism and, and welfare. So do you think social welfare has done more damage to the Black community than help it? Because you said, like, one of your points, which I do agree with, you know, I feel like um, the gener- like our parents, like those that came before us, they kind of look at African-Americans as being lazy. And I'm like, no, like the mentality shift is different. Like we go right. into college, like it's, it wasn't a, it's not a big deal because you're not right. the first in your family to go, right. like, you know, right. so, it's, so we, 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 we've come from a community. We've come from, some, we've come from somewhere that, okay, this is super important. This is where right. you're going to a land right. where there's milk and honey. So you better get yours. Right. Um, but, but for someone that grew up in the hood and, you know, what they see is just, you know, gangs and, and you know, pushing drugs and all of those things. So it's harder for that person to just say, I know, just go to college. Or, right, you right. know, what I want to do, that's not, that's not the model that I have seen, right, right. you know, for, for us, our uncles or aunts, you know. So that's an example that we have seen. And like you said, right. r- rightly, um, I'm in this library today because a black person stood up. You know, right. I, I'm able to, you know, get on the job or go to school, go to UT, um, a predominantly white school because of because of black black people, what they what right. they've done. So we should not take that away. But I wanted to get your thoughts on on, on workerism and social welfare. Right. Um, yeah. Has it done more harm or or good? I I definitely don't think it's done more harm. I think um I, I think it's necessary to an extent. I think um. I, I think America is still in denial about what they need to do to help black and brown people, right? Like as far as like education or healthcare, like just, so until we can get to the root of things, welfare is kind of like, I, I, I think even in a perfect society, we will always have people who are just poor, right? Like, like that, that will always be the case because that's been, that's, Actually, I, I don't. I don't know. This is what I think, right? Like, there's just always poor people in every society, right? So there will always be welfare. I, I think where it becomes more charged is that when people, I mean, I don't know what the percentages are as far as race, like who's on welfare or, or and whatnot. But I think the assumption is that many black, you know, it's mostly like people of color. Who yeah, are, no, I, th- I, th- I think just percentage wise, I think there are more white people on there, but percentage wise to the right. general population, it's more right. percentage wise white people, well, black people. Right. Um, right. Right. Which I suspected that that was the case. But I think that sometimes when that conversation gets politically charged, it's, it's when people are assuming that it's people of color and they're like, oh, it's whether, you know, I think that as long as we have people who do need the welfare at the end of the day, people need to eat. People need to live. I think that there is a necessity for welfare. Right. And and even, you know, let's even remove adults out of the situation, a kid who's born into a poor family. I mean, if if they need the assistance and they're not getting this, they're going to suffer as well. And that just continues that whole horrible cycle of poverty. Um, so so we do need that. But, you know, it all goes back to the same thing. We also need to be addressing the roots. I mean, why? Right. Like what? Like why? 
what if if a significant portion of a population is needing the welfare why is that right because at the end of the day we, we don't want like the ideal situation is that is not that so many people will be on welfare it's that you know people are paid enough um or that people are getting the skills that they need to make more for themselves so they're not relying on the government so i think it's necessary but i also think we need to be asking more questions right so and, and what, what, what one thing that came to mind was during this whole you know government bailouts and and, and, and um you know unemployment tax and people didn't want to go back to work because yeah they were they were getting more from the government than what they got from going to work so i think that welfareism and i know Leadon B. Johnson, um, you know, the Texan, he, he kind of introduced this in the 96s just to help the black community. But I think it has its pros and cons. I think it yeah. has helped a little bit, but I think it also has made some people feel entitled to just right. like, okay, this is there for me, and I could have this X amount of kids and I could get more, yeah. you know. And then now you're, 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 you're having more kids just because you could get more welfare, and then you're not trying to go work. Because I think uh, even um, President Joe Biden has had to come out that hey, we're cut, people don't want to go back to work, and so mm-hmm. we're cutting off this whole you know unemployment benefits, and you have to report that you've applied to jobs and yeah. then you heard back from them, and all of those things. And I know here too, they're, yeah. they're in Tennessee too. I think they're they're stopping the unemployment checks to yeah. um, people yeah. that don't want to just work. So yeah. I think it, it does broad. Um, laziness sometimes because yeah. I mean, you're just getting free money like you, yeah. not free money but you're getting money just to just chill and do yeah. whatever yeah. so I think yeah. for me I think it probably has helped but at the same time too I think it's also part of the thing that's constituted to some of the issues the black community faces yeah yeah and and I you know I, I you know I actually know someone personally who they were just enjoying the unemployment checks like they did not want to go back to work and I remember feeling so annoyed by that because I was like <laughs> so I'm working and you know I'm paying taxes and you don't have the disabilities <laughs> that I can see so so you know and so, so I do get that there will always be people who completely take advantage right um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, though, I don't know if people have more kids to get the checks because I think I, I don't think that they pay enough in unemployment to accommodate having a kid. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you get more money, but like pros and cons. You know what right. I mean? And I don't know, but, but, but for welfare, so you get more money on, on the on the week on the week card. I think WIC card. So it depends on the amount of kids you have, and which kind of makes sense because someone that has a, just one kid. Maybe they're getting two hundred dollars every month right. on that kid. But if you have like five, then you're yeah. probably getting like eight hundred dollars. Get like a yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean that, that makes sense. You know, if you're in welfare, yeah, I think it should be um, it should be very proportionate. It should be proportionate right. to how many kids you have. Because I don't want to give someone that has two kids, or we don't want to give someone that has two kids two hundred, and then give someone that has three kids, yeah. you know, one fifty or two twenty. You know, what I'm saying? right, right. Yeah. I, and I I agree with that. I agree with that. I mean, it makes sense. Like you have to prorate it based on how many kids people have. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I guess like the part that I'm addressing is, um, you know, like the idea that, and again, like it, it's more, there's the logic part of it. And then there's the part where people like make it politically charged and all of that. And I think um, some people like assume that, you know, it's more people of color that are on the welfare. And so, and they have like this, ima- this story in their head where it's like, it's like a black woman who's, who's having like 10 children. So just so she can get like, you know, like welfare checks and wicks and, you know, like all of that. Um, And so I I guess like what I'm, so there are two things I was trying to say is one, 
you know, like, even though she get like, like, let's say she gets like $200 extra for like each kid. We all know that it takes more than $200 extra to take. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, right. And so for that reason, right, I, I don't think that people would have more kids because they're trying to get that extra $200. Um, I think that, right. So to my second point, I think that, I think that there are other factors, right? Like the fact that like, what access to education about contraception are people of color getting, right? Like, I, I work in women's health care and, you know, there are all these birth controls out there, which a lot of people actually don't know about, right? Like something like an IUD, a lot of people don't know about it, but it's actually extreme. It's more effective when used correctly than pills. But it's like, you know, if people don't have education about that, then they're not going to know that. So there are more, you know, there's more likelihood for them to like have more kids. Um, and so I, I, I think that sometimes there are other factors affecting certain things that we might not see. Um yeah. And so, you know, so essentially that's what I'm trying to say is that um, that's part of why the conversation about welfare gets so charged is mm-hmm. that, um, you know, sometimes there, there are certain, you know, visuals or like certain facts, like certain okay. non facts. Uh, yeah. yeah. Or, or the, the image we have about the, the imagery about it. Yeah. Um, moving into American secularism, and we just touched on this briefly. Um, hey. w- one of the quotes I wanted to read out was with that, um, and there's an article that I was reading about this. It says, without Christianity, Americans no longer have a common culture upon mm-hmm. which to fall back. So I think that we're, I, and I was listening to Billy Graham, um, maybe God rest his soul, in, in 1988, he was preaching about something very similar, that America is becoming more secular. And all of those, and I'm like, really? In 1988, America was more secular than this. Um, <laughs> and you know, America has been seen as always, kind of for me, be seen as a traditionally Christian nation, even though it wasn't founded in Christian values. Um, but it felt like we had those values, and now it seems like they're eroding, you know, very quickly, and we're becoming more um, secular. And yeah. it, that might be a bad thing. That might be a good thing. Um, but I'm looking at it from the context of we don't really have much in common as much you know he's like oh you like trump i hate you or oh you don't like trump oh i you know things yeah there's no really commonality you know there's really what what was uniting us you know how are we right how would we united so what what do you what do you think about um the 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 trend uh, or the path america is going through right now or 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 what we're going through with with secularism yeah, yeah. It, you know, this is actually like one of my favorite topics, <laughs> like secularism and spirituality and, and all of that. And up until you sent me that article, actually, I, I didn't, I'd never, um, like, I'd never compared um, secularism with, you know, like this whole political, right? Like you, you bring up Trump, right? People get fired up, right? Like, um, and, and it's, I mean, it's unfortunate that we're becoming so polarized, <clears throat> Right. Like it's unfortunate that we just assume uh, many people like and I'm not excluding myself, that we just assume that someone who has different political beliefs is so different from us. Um, I I think it's unfortunate. But moving back to secularism, I think um, I definitely think that America has become more secular. Now, whether or not that's a good thing depends on what people are now doing. I I understand why people might um, like at the end of the day, like you know, if we were united under Christianity, right, it's becoming a more diverse place, America. Um, and the truth is that not everyone believes the same things, right? Um, and so, and so, what does that mean? I mean, I consider myself like a deeply spiritual person. I, you know, I can, spirituality is something that's very important to me. And I do think that on some level, 
it's not on some level. I do think that we need some level of spirituality in our lives, right? Like we just need to believe in something bigger than ourselves. We need something that unites us. What that's going to look like, I don't know. I think a lot of people don't want the dogma of certain religions. A lot of religions are passed down from generation to generation and people don't necessarily understand the spirit behind the religion. They just sort of see the rules and they feel constricted by it and they feel the need to leave it. Um, but then where people end up is what I don't know. Um, I would personally like to see a more spiritual world. I'd like to see a more spiritual America, but I don't know what that means because at the end of the day, we can't force people to believe one thing, right? How a person sees spirituality is different from how the next person, you know, like sees, you know, um, and, you know, we have Muslims, we have Christians, we have Buddhists, we have Hindus, like we have all these different things. Um, I don't think that po polarization is obviously not the, not the key to that. It's the opposite <laughs> of what we want. Um, right. But I, I, I guess I just, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I want to see us unified, but I don't know what that's going to be under. Equality? I don't know. Maybe humanitarianism? Who knows? Um, but but it, I, I know, what I know that it's not going to be Christianity anymore because, you know, people just want to know God or people want to serve God in other ways, whether or not they, they say God. Um, right. Yeah. And I, I think you brought a good point, you know, what, what would that be? You know, what would that unity be? And, and something you said, say something bigger than ourselves. And that's why, that's why I, to me personally, that's why I think that, um, you know, the humanistic um, might not be, humanism might not be the right way to go about it, or atheistic beliefs might not be the right way to go, or, or just take, being circular might not be the right way to go about it. Because you, it's, all of those, all of those, all of those, the, the anchor is something in itself very fallible you know it's not something bigger than us it's not it, it, for you for something to anchor you i feel it should be something bigger um but all of these things are just very um you know existentialism it's very right. it's very natural it's very, it, it, you know it, it's not very hopeful right. um, I, I heard um john lennox say that that you know all of the, the way he feels about atheism or you know all of those others is that they're not it, it's like damnation it's like it's not hopeful there's no right hope. right um, but, you right. know like all, all the other examples of spirituality or christianity yeah. you know she yeah. offers you hope you know it has this optimistic view of the world and all of those right. but yeah absolutely yeah, Absolutely. And, and, and the way, you know, like we all use different um, languages for it. And, and I like your language for it is, is, you know, like what brings us hope. And, and, you know, the way I usually think about it too, is that like, you know, anything that makes me look at a stranger and think of them as my brother and sister, um, that's what we need, right? Like what brings us together as opposed to separates us, right? Like, mm -hmm. however anyone feels about Donald Trump, and I'm, you know, I, I live in New York City, it's very liberal, <laughs> I'm very liberal, full disclosure. Um, so we all know how we feel about Donald Trump in, in New York City. But when you think about it, it's like Donald Trump is very much my brother as, as my brother is my brother. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, like, like, we're all human beings together, right? However, I feel about a person's opinion or views, and it's not just how I feel, it's also like the actual impact of the person's decisions. I mean, a powerful, like those, it is legitimate, yes. But at the end of it, at the core of it, like, right, like there still has to be something that brings us together. I'm just talking about as humans in general, but we can also apply that to the United States, right? Like there's, and, and, and maybe in the past that was Christianity. Um, but, you know, as uh, you know, it, it's the same thing that we're saying is that, you know, there, there's something that has to help us see across party lines. 
um, because right now, right now is not the way to go. It's right, it, it's not. You say Democrat, everyone has an opinion. You say Republican, people have an opinion. You say Black Lives Matter, people have an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is a trigger. <laughs> I know it is. It seems yeah. like we're, yeah, very very easily triggered. Yeah. Um, we we had a we had a conversation, um, and I think it's it'll probably like. I used to be more argumentative than I am now. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, maybe being older does that to you. You know, before I always wanted to always win. Mm-hmm. And, and, and um, Russell Brand said something in his interview with Ben Shapiro. He said that um, he, did, he didn't want to engage Ben Shapiro in a debate about a particular thing. And he said, because you're you're a great rhetorician, you know, you know how to lay out your points, and you can win me in a debate, but that doesn't mean you're right. Right. Um, I said I say all of those to say about 11 years ago, we both mm-hmm. had a conversation um, and it was about superpowers. And I can't really remember what aisle of the argument I was on. But I know we're talking about America and Russia. Um, do you still think America is a superpower? <laughs> you know, I think you asked you the disqualified person to answer that question. No, you were very opinionated <laughs> back then about this because we spent hours, I think almost hours arguing. Wait, you remember. and I? Huh? Yes. Because oh. I, I could remember opening my computer and looking up on Google and trying to prove my point to you. And <laughs> yeah, so this is just, I, I honestly don't really have an opinion on this anymore, but I just yeah. wanted to see if your opinion changed or you're still on it. I, I have the, you know what, I, I, I'm even trying to read, because honestly, I don't know much about like, like the actual economic stance or political stance or like the actual power that both countries have, like in the context of the world. So I, I'm even try, I'm trying to figure out how I even had an opinion. Like, you know, like when you and I have a conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think, I, think for, I, I, I was for America. Um, yeah. And I think you're probably for maybe either Russia or China or something. <laughs> and I had to go look at the rankings. I can remember like the old computer and, um, and Google. And I was like, yeah, and, uh, some, some, some articles had America is number one and had Russia is number two. So I yeah. just thought that would be funny to just bring that up. Yeah. yeah. Like 11 I, years mean, ago. Sure, sure. yeah. <laughs> I know that they're both superpowers. I just don't yeah. know which one is more. <laughs> Yep, yep. And so we're, we're getting almost to the end, but before then, I wanted to play a game. Um, so this game, I would just mention people's name, and you just you can only answer in one word. So whatever reaction you have, just oh, one God. word. Okay. 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 All right. Um, opera. Love. Mm, oh, okay. Trump. Division. Division. Meghan Markle. I'm embarrassed by by the word that came to my mind. I'm like mixed. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's that. <laughs> I think mean, that's the reason why I think of mixed, but yeah. <laughs> okay, mixed. Um, Biden. Uh, question mark. <laughs> question mark. Yeah. <laughs> Palestine. Um, Grace. Grace. Britney Spears. Help. Ooh, help. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, this is my favorite one. Okay. Favorite cousin. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I thought of your name, but honestly, I think it's because we're talking right now. <laughs> All right. No, no, no. You don't have. You don't have to. Put no, no. I think no it's just like the word no. that came to my mind. Um, okay. I mean. 
Hey, I'm I, putting I, my name there. I already did. Don't worry. You can't change. It's too late to change now. <laughs> it's too late to change now. And uh, to, round, to round this up, um, what's the strongest emotion you're scared of the most? Fear. Hmm. Yeah. So you're afraid of being afraid? Wow, that's a great way to put it. Yes. <laughs> um, go ahead, please. I think that's it. That's it? Yes. Wow. What a pleasure. It's yeah, really this this is really fun. I really, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for, you know, thank you for doing this. Thank you for being so graceful with your presence. And... Oh, no, thank you. Thank you for joining us today on the show. And I hope you enjoyed our conversations. Um, some other news I wanted to react to was uh, Bill Cosby. So Bill Cosby, and that's something about the due process, right? So his exoneration wasn't about that, oh, he's not guilty of what he was accused of. It was because of due process. So I think the DA that um, the that prosecuted the case um, back in 05, 06, I think. I, I think that from one of the reports I read said, okay, if you give this testimony, it's, like, it's not going to be used against you in the future, right? And, you know, I still need to understand what, you know, statute of limitation means or, you know, when it expires because when it was even tried for this case, the statute of limitation on, on that case was almost expired. It was like days away from it being expired. So he was exonerated because it wasn't it wasn't supposed to be tried with the same case with with that with with the evidence that he already provided back in 0506. So it wasn't about that, oh, you know, he's free at last or um he's now just or he's or the system has, you know, turned a blind, blind, uh, a blind eye. No, it's just the due process, and you know, sometimes we don't like it, but it's just the due process. And just with the Civil Rights Act of 1965, that was used as a um, in one of the cases that we spoke about in the last episode with Arizona, Arizona um, new laws that the Republican Party are trying to voting laws that they're trying to roll out. In the Supreme Court, it stood because it does not violate the 965 civil rights voting voting rights. So that's that's the legal process for you. Sometimes we will look at it and like, okay, it's, is it really is it really a fair system? Is, is Lady Justice really fair? Um, but I'm always being the person that I guess I'm a textualist. If you look at it, you know, if if, if there's a way to to say this is what the text says you know and you can prove your point and even though sometimes the outcome is outrageously painful to 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 some of us it's just like the due process um also one other thing that we uh, we spoke about earlier the shakari richardson story man you know i was really because you know just the swag she brings i was like okay you know she's gone she's gonna she's gonna go far in this olympics but um they said there's still a possibility that um the, the united states track and field teams could she could still have her for the four by 100 meters um so that that will be something interesting to see 
um to see her doing you know she said she's still she's just 21 and then she can come back again at 25 and you know i was talking to someone and he was like yeah you shouldn't look at life that way that oh you still have time and we know she might she might be the fastest woman at that time because right now she ran the second fastest time this season moving to sports um the english team which is the team i'm supporting in this year 2020 um at this time of this recording they they just thrummed <laughs> they 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 just they just they just destroyed not destroyed i don't want to use that word that's kind of too far but they uh they they showed ukraine class i guess they yeah they they, they played well and i think currently for me the best left back in the world say say with your chest yes sir mr luke shaw he's been doing playing out of his mind and mcguire too that united connection um but no the english team is still the team that i'm supporting and i know a lot of people are already calling england italy for final um spain italy will be a good game to see in denmark england it would be so funny if denmark beats england out of this so but let's i'm still supporting england and now the stage is set for the nba finals milwaukee box <laughs> against phoenix Suns. who could have thought right who could have thought that this is how it's um this is how what the final the the two the, the, the final matchup would be for for this nba season this nba season has been you know it's just i feel some type of way you know and i don't want to take anything away from whoever wins it you know chris ball or yanis or their team i don't want to take anything away from it but with the injuries and stuff it just it makes it have this feeling that oh i don't want to get into the whole aesthetics thing um but it just it feels different you know it feels different so who who do i think would win it also depends is yanis gonna come back in this series and someone said this and i think it's an unpopular opinion that the box did not look too different without with with, with Yanis out you know and i think that you know i was watching i was like okay don't let me say this because I, I think it's an unpopular opinion and no one else would you know say that of course Yanis is a freak you know he's you know he's a baller um i have my reservations about him because of what what transpired between him and james harden you know when harden was still in houston but that aside the box they look great you know they, they look great so if it comes back of course you know having a, a top five player on your team will probably make your team better i don't know chris paul too is playing out of his mind but if i have to pick right now uh mm, i don't know let's see maybe after game one maybe next week on the podcast that's why this more reason you should check you should tune in um I, I'll, I'll give a peek um i'll choose um i'll give a peek of, of who i think would win it all have a happy july 4th in america we're celebrating independence from the british rule and um we're celebrating that tomorrow july 4th and to my american friends have a happy july 4th and to everyone else have a wonderful week ahead and be legendary